gentlemen, hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Rankcast. It's the summer and that means that for a certain subsection of the population, uh, transfer speculation becomes an all-consuming nightmare dedicated to ripping every waking moment away from you. But if you're not one of those people but you do kind of want to know what's been going on with United and transfers so far this summer, uh, we thought we would do the public service of getting someone who actually knows a little bit about what's been happening on the line. So we decided to talk to someone who will be a familiar voice to long-term Manchester United podcast fans. Um, Tom Coast, formerly of the Can They Score podcast and currently uh, running things uh, at Sport Witness. I don't mean running the whole of that. I just mean like running the things that he runs. <laughs> How are you doing, Tom? <laughs> I'm good, mate. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in a while, but hopefully we'll get back into the swing of things fairly quickly. But yeah, thank you for having me. So... Um, I think the general tone, as is always the case at almost exactly this point in the summer of United fans when it comes to transfers, is one of um, exasperation and confusion that less, not not more has happened by now. Uh, today, as we record, we're recording this on Monday night. The plan is to get it out on Tuesday um, because these things change so quickly. But as of today, um, Guest of Fute Inc., well, Duncan Castles, uh, wrote an article uh, saying that Mourinho is uh, really fed up um, with Ed Woodward. Are you surprised that that came out today? Not really. I mean, we we all knew from a long time ago that towards the end of the season that Mourinho gave his transfer targets to Ed Woodward. Um, I'm assuming it was a, a very nicely put together Excel spreadsheet with... Um, all the names of the players he wanted and the top targets and the bottom targets. And if he could get the top ones, great. If he couldn't, then move on to the next one. Um, I think we've seen one of the top targets probably slip through our fingers because of a pesky transfer ban. Um, But, you know, people always want transfers done early. Managers want transfers done early because then they can get the preseason sorted, get the team chemistry up to where he wants it. And obviously, that would be an ideal scenario. Obviously, that's not how it works. Teams, Some teams don't want to sell, so obviously they stand their ground. We saw that with the Perisic situation. Um, and it's just a case of, well, there's two months of this left. Unfortunately, it feels like it's been going on for a very, very long time. But the transfer window officially opened on the 1st of July, and we are now, I believe, the 3rd. Uh, so two days have actually gone officially of the transfer window. Um, and yes, some clubs, um, I mean, Manchester United signed Victor Lindelof um, early on. Manchester City bought Bernardo Silva pretty much before or towards when the season ended. Clubs do get stuff done early, but obviously that's ideal. But that's not life isn't ideal. So we've just got to patience is key. I'm sure Edward would not just sat around twiddling his thumbs going, wow. We'll just wait and see what happens. I'm sure he's working hard. And even if Mourinho is uh, exasperated, as Duncan Castles uh, says, he's it's just the way it is. You know, not, he's just going to have to wait. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Um, I wonder whether he'll. I wonder how exasperated he'll get because obviously, like, he got nasty at Chelsea, didn't it? When he when he got really exasperated, Ed wrote something for United rant about that. That it's it is actually a it's a genuinely with some managers you wouldn't be genuinely worried with Mourinho. I don't know. There's a, a genuine uh, I, slight worry if he's 
if he's briefing castles at this point. I'd like to say, well, obviously he is a well-known Jose Mourinho mouthpiece at Duncan Castle, that is not Ed. Um, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I like it the other way around. <laughs> um, but it's, whether what he says is because a lot of clubs are getting exasperated. Chelsea, Conte is apparently getting annoyed at how slow things are going at Chelsea. Uh, you know, every manager is, this is a trend. The first, you know, it's because it feels like it's been going on for so long it feels like all this time has passed to get all the teams sorted every manager's getting annoyed maybe not Ronald Koeman who's actually signing about 17 players including Michael Keane just now uh, has been made official which Manchester United get a nice 7.5 million pounds for um so you know it's I think it's just an easy article to write it might be true it might not be but you know you've got to think of these things that this is the stuff that people click on you know it's just going to it's negative press is a lot of time what people click on because obviously then it reflects that 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 mentality then passes on to the fans who then get annoyed and then that you know then they're more likely to click on good news later on if something nice happens because then the anger is subsided and everyone looks really good so it's a very easy i'm not as i said it could be that could be the case but it's also a very easy article to write two days into the transfer window ah. Oh, Mourinho is not very happy with how things are going, but if tomorrow we sign, or you know, Alvaro Morata or uh, Ivan Perisic comes out of nowhere, then everyone's happy and you know Mourinho's happy, and it's just that's just the way things work. You know, it's all about battle for clicks and selling papers, and you know, good news sells, but good news isn't all. Good news can only sell so much, so you need a bit of bad news to counteract that. And it's just. Yeah, that's just how it works. The game is the game, is that what you say? Exactly, yes. The game is the game and everyone plays it. Okay, so let's talk about some specifics. Um, mm-hmm. When we finished up the end of the season podcast, actually, this might have happened after that, uh, but there was a time when um, I'd been told by uh, people who had no reason to lie to me and every reason to know <laughs> this stuff that the Griezmann thing was a thing that was happening. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, United apparently never wanted him. And as far back as February, he came <laughs> off the list. How, how do we stand on that? How do we stand on that? Well, um, everyone everyone was pushing for the Griezmann deal to happen. Obviously, he's a very good player. Uh, we want the best of the best at Manchester United. That's, you know, that's how things work. But it's a very easy way to say we never wanted it in any way when you can't get him. Now we all knew that there was this transfer ban that was going to get that could get in the way. Uh, at one point, there was a quiet confidence in the Spanish press that the ban would be lifted, much much like uh, Real Madrid's was, and you know that would give the green light for Antoine Griezmann, who was six out of ten sure that he would go to Manchester United. So there was a six out of ten chance. But that obviously was, that ban... That, 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 was, that was before yeah. the Europa League final, right? Uh, yes, that was before the Europa League final. Yeah. And everyone thought, well, if Manchester United win the Europa League final, that six could become an eight or a nine or whatever. Because obviously Champions League football for a, a player of Griezmann status is something that he'll want at this stage in his career. He's not that young anymore. I mean, he's still 26, but he's not, you know, he's not uh, a youngster. So he wants, you know, the best of the best and as much money as possible and blah, blah, blah. But... Annoyingly for Manchester United, this ban was 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 upheld, and that meant that Atletico Madrid couldn't register players. They could sign players, but they couldn't register them, register them to play them until January, which meant that if Griezmann left them, 
at this stage, they would be able to sign a replacement like Diego Costa, but that replacement would not be able to play with for them until January. So that left a big gaping gap in their in their squads. Uh, at which point, Griezmann he made that very clear in his messages uh, afterwards was that I can't really leave Atletico under these circumstances, and it's something that I kind of predicted and people thought well it's, it's the it's the play the release clause and there's nothing they can do about it but at the end of the day a lot a lot of the time a lot of people don't take into account the will of the player now the player was taken from Real Sociedad by Atletico and it's at Atletico that he became this poster boy for Puma um, and it's you know became the poster boy for France thanks to the Euros and it's because of Atletico that he is where he is now now turning his back on that in this situation, would have not gone down well with Atletico fans. And even when he did the 6 out of 10 uh, reference to move to Manchester United, Atletico fans weren't happy the fact that he was talking about a possible transfer so soon so soon after the end of the season and with the transfer ban still being uh, a speculation. And then he said that he wanted to leave to win. He thought this was the best time uh, to leave to win trophies. Uh, this was in a press conference about uh, the launch of his book because obviously at 26 years old you already have an autobiography if you're a football <laughs> footballer. Um, so he said this is the time for me to leave and do all my um, to, to win trophies and go to a, a next step of my career. And obviously this really annoyed Atletico fans. And I think that had he actually left, then that would have been the end of his status as the, uh, it's not a legend, but, you know, a favoured, put it in football manager terms, favoured personnel slash icon. Um, and he, that would have been the end of that status. And you don't want to leave through the back door. You want to leave through the front door as the kind of, uh, so that all the fans thank you for your services and all that. So I think that's why he stayed. Now, he also renewed his contract, which was always going to happen. Atletico, as a thank you, will have given him an extra money but the release clause stayed the same. Now, the release clause is 100 million euros, which is what Manchester United were prepared to pay over the course of his five-year deal, according to multiple reports. Uh, so that would been 20 million a year. Now, that's stayed the same, which leads me to believe that next season, when they don't have this transfer ban issue, I think Griezmann will leave. He'll be 27, signs a five-year contract somewhere else. That gives him, you know, obviously he's 32, at which point, you know, he reevaluates everything or gets a new contract at 30 and so on. So I think it's still a good time for him to leave next season. Just has to wait a little bit longer. And he's a Manchester United fan. I think Jose Mourinho wants him. I think it probably will happen. As for the, we didn't never want it anyway, it's always a very easy thing to say. When reports before the transfer ban was upheld was that Manchester United were looking into it and it's only after that that the report of we never wanted them anyway came out. So that's very much, I think, to appease the fans, and which a lot saw straight through because we're not idiots. Um, I, I wonder, it's interesting, you know, you talk about maybe signing in maybe next summer. I mean, mm -hmm. some people have even talked about in January. It seems so unlikely that a player of that calibre is going to move in January. I don't see it. Um, but yeah, the the... the even the idea of him coming next season, do you think the United's transfer plan, has, I mean, apart from the bit of the plan which says sign Griezmann with like arrows pointing at it, <laughs> apart from that bit of the plan, do you think the plan dramatically changed this summer when he became unavailable? Do you think they're looking at players they wouldn't have looked at if they could have signed him? Well, it's hard to say because the, the Maratta 
rumblings were already there when Griezmann, you know, there was a, where, where, where do you, where, where does Mourinho see Griezmann playing? Now, Griezmann was originally a left winger, um, or a winger, he used to play across the front three, then he became more of a sports striker, and then he became kind of a striker at Let's Go Madrid. Um, and you've got to think that he's such a versatile player, you've got to think, where would he want to play him? Would he want to play Mkhitaryan on the right, then play Griezmann behind a striker, uh, much like Griezmann did at the Euros, where he played behind a target man like Giroud, which worked very well up until the final. And, um, and so it's hard to, obviously, without having Mourinho's... Uh, as I said, a spreadsheet of all the players that he wants in, in front in front of us. It's very difficult to see what he wants. I think the general idea is that Rashford is not a left winger, and I don't think that Rashford should stay as a left winger. I think Rashford should be moved centrally, and I think with Zlatan leaving, we probably see a lot more of that. Now we're going to have to replace Zlatan, but that that player is probably not going to be the big target man that Zlatan was uh, if the reports about Morata are true. Now, would you then? You know, have Martial on the left with Perisic, which is apparently the number one target for for Mourinho. There, does that mean that then Griezmann would play behind the new striker? Is you know, it was always said four players, which we assume would be a centre back, uh, some kind of striker, uh, a forward and a midfield, um, a winger, versatile winger and a midfielder. Um, so, but that can easily change. We could see five, six players. Some some reporters are saying that you know it could be five, six players. Because of um, because of needs, and um, you know, Manchester United are well known for their lack of midfielders. I mean, it's getting better, but um, we're still a, there's still a bit of a deficiency in that department, especially with Carrick. Yes, he signed a new contract, but how much is he going to play next season? Um, and that leaves really Fellaini, uh, a fan favourite, uh, under Herrera and Paul Pogba, and then pff, you can maybe play. Uh, Wayne Rooney, if he stays. <laughs> Daily, Daily Blind, I Daily guess, Blind, if you're desperate, yeah, so, but Rooney has never done that. No, so, you, so you, you, there is going to be a need, which you know we people uh, people want Fabinho, uh, the ideal. Well, fanboys want Fabinho. No. Sorry, no, no, I said I wouldn't do it, but I did do it. Um, and uh, Nemanja Matic is the apparent, you know, forty million target. So, you know, all right. So let's 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 break this down. Let's start with the player that you mentioned first. Uh, the story of the summer, I guess, since Griezmann uh, fell off the radar. Um, Alvaro Morata, mm-hmm. I guess. Does that does that count as a Galactico signing? I'm not sure it does. It's uh, well, it's a sub Galactico. If we're going to put it yeah, that way, because he's, he's the backup for Benzema at Real Madrid. It's um, Solar Sistemo. So I yeah I've so I personally I've never been a big fan of Benzema uh, that some people may crucify me for this I'm quite glad he's not a part of the front squad I think the front squad works far better without him but that's that's a different matter altogether um, but I always thought that Morata should be the the striker at Real Madrid obviously Benzema works well he's very happy to feed the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo and Cristiano Ronaldo um, for goals um, so. I think that Morata is a good signing. Um, I think a lot of people are very sceptical about it, at the fact that he has never been an out-and-out prolific striker. I mean, last season he outscored Benzema coming off the bench, which says a lot about what he is capable of doing. Um, but he's never been that consistent. Even at Juventus, he was never, you know, thirty goal a striker, a thirty goal a season striker. He was um, Tom. He was he was never a ten goal a season striker at Juventus. No, no. But he scored important goals. You know, he helped them reach the, the Champions League final. He turned up. Uh, 
It's going to make a, a, a saying he's the Fellaini of strikers, but that, that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, turns up when he's when he's needed the most, but no, he's he. I think he's a very good player. I think Manchester United could do well with him. Now the problem is, it, like most players in the in the transfer window these days, because of the market, is he worth ninety million pound uh, euros, which is what Real Madrid wants? Um, money's never really been an issue for Manchester United these days. Anyway, thanks to all our paid sponsors, um, but. He's, you know, Manchester United apparently want to pay 70 million euros. There's this 20 million euro gap that Bramadid don't want to budge from. Um, that's obviously what's being said in Spain. But also in Spain, it's been said it's going to happen in the next 48 hours. And that was two weeks ago. So um, <laughs> the, the, the time frame in Spain has always been in the next few hours. And in the next few hours can mean hours, days, weeks. And sometimes it happens that in the next few hours it turns into a month or so. So it's very difficult to to, to, to know whether or not this is actually going to happen. Uh, my, my gut feeling is that Morata was second on the list behind Griezmann. That's how I see it. A lot of people would disagree and say they're not the same type of player, blah, blah, blah. But that's my view of it, is that pushing for Griezmann was the main key. At 100 million euros, which is a fee that no one would have really battered an island at. It's his release clause. Um, he's a very, you know, he's an incredibly marketable player. Uh, and no one would have been angry about spending 100 million euros. But with Morata, because of his status at Real Madrid, because of the fact that he's always been, you know, he's never been as prolific as other strikers, there's this stigma that sticks with him that, you know, he's not he's not worth the money. But you've also got to think that he's still quite young and still has plenty of time to develop. Mourinho clearly believes in him. Uh, he's the one who gave him his debut at Real Madrid, uh, as far as I'm aware. I think that's that's correct. And it's he clearly trusts the player. Now, obviously, then it's up to the fans to trust the manager, which, you know, that's a completely different matter altogether. Um, is there um, is there any doubt in your mind that this is a real link and a real story and it's like people are actively working I believe, on it? I believe it's being worked on, yes. I think it's too much. There's, you know, in the transfer window, there's <sighs> we all know the old saying, there's no smoke without fire. Now, this has gone on for too long for it to not in my view this has gone on for too long for it to not be a story I believe Manchester United are interested and the fact that you know other clubs like Chelsea also wanted him shows that he is a, a talented player um, see Chelsea has since kind of turned their mind to Romelu Lukaku um, and but at £100 million which is what Everton apparently wants um, I just definitely stay away from that um, but it's it's too much is happening for it to not be a story, basically. And I believe that whether it happens or not, uh, you know, because it's being reported so much, people think it will happen. Um, but anything can happen in the transfer window. It's 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 an incredibly tense part of the season. Uh, we saw it with, um, I think we've seen it with, uh, not the best example, but Fabio Berini uh, going completely off Manchester United's uh, topic two seconds. Fabio Berini, as far as the Italian press was concerned, was going to Lazio. Lazio wanted him. Lazio had been tracking him for four years. And, you know, uh, they, they they wanted him. Sunderland were prepared to, pay, uh, to let him go because they were relegated to take the money off the wage bill. And... The morning, one morning, AC Milan turned up, says, no, we want him. They paid the money Sunderland wanted and he went to 
you know, he went to, to, to AC Milan and Lazio were kind of left, well, where does that leave us? So now they've had to turn their attention elsewhere. But anything can happen. One, Some deals take two, three weeks to work out and some take a matter of hours. And so is until it's done until it's done there's no way of saying it is going to happen um anything that i know about any transfer you know some information is always goes on a on, a, on an article in, in sport witness i never hold any information to myself um because well that defeats the point of being a journalist and um unless obviously i'm told not to use it that's a completely different matter but um yeah it's until it's hap- until it happens it, it You've got to. You've just got to wait. And as excruciating as it is, because as well as working in the in in the in in the transfer market, I'm first and foremost a fan of football, and it's very much in the same boat as every other Manchester United fan out there waiting for transfers to happen. So yeah. So talking of there being no smoke without fire, which I think the transfer market is the arena in which. It's one of like life's arenas where actually sometimes there's loads of smoke without fire. Yes, <laughs> of course. You guys are really good at uh, um, getting to the root of that and like putting out the fire. <laughs> and there was a brilliant, I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was like um, something about uh, it's uh, Christmas Day, the kids come downstairs, there's beautiful presents everywhere. This oh, Santa's been, Santa's been, sport witness, kick the door in and go, there's no Santa Claus, you idiots, your mum and dad bought it. Oh, um I think it was uh, well. There was that. I I, I did made a reference to uh, to it in a uh, something similar in a Raja Nain article where uh, everyone got excited because the BBC said that um, Raja Nain had was one step closer to signing for Manchester United when in fact the newspaper said that Manchester, uh, Mourinho had apparently called him uh, while he's on holiday. Mourinho does not call people. I'm pretty sure when Mourinho's on holiday, he's on holiday. But Mourinho had apparently called um, Nainggolan to offer him a contract, uh, 7.5 million euros a year, beautiful contract, more than what Roma were prepared to pay. But in the same article, it said that, you know, that he'd said no, but obviously BBC, <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to stay at, at, at Roma, but obviously that doesn't, that doesn't click, so get the clicks. So uh, BBC completely ignored that. And um, this is in their gossip column, which I would not oh, that's, recommend that's reading. Fair. That's um, fair then. It's kind of more but, fair if it's in the yeah, gossip yeah, column. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it, uh, but uh, I, I, in it, I said that this is, this is what sport witness do. Um, we're, we're, we we go around on the beaches kicking kids' sand castles that 12-year-olds are really proud of, and we also go to the nephew's birthday party, pop the balloons, uh, and we'll blow out his candles. That's kind of the thing that we do. We just kind of find any kind of bit of hope that fans have and try it. Well, that's what people think we do. We don't. We want, you know, we, we would, in an ideal world, we want everything to be right, and, I mean, it makes our job easier. But... Uh, yeah, to, to clarify for people, the, the kind of USP of sport is... is um, is that you're looking? You're looking a lot of the stories that get reported in the English media. You'll see kind of sources in Italy and that sort of thing. You're looking at the the source material in its original language, um, and and kind of passing the rumours that way, right? Passing passing the rumours that way, and obviously, I'm not I'm not going to criticise anyone and do their job. But sometimes things get mistranslated. I sometimes mistranslate things. It happens. But sometimes uh, things you know, Chinese whispers and things get distorted and, you know, we, we're here to clarify it. But a lot of the time it's it's just trying to work out whether this makes sense or not. Because a lot of the time you'll see, you'll, 
you'll see, for example, today, um, I did a, I had, I saw a brief mention in uh, Gazzetta della Sport in, in Italy uh, about Tottenham being interested in Steven Nzonzi, uh, Sevilla's defensive midfielder. Now, Steve, he's a defensive midfielder. This is probably the last position, unless they're planning on selling uh, someone, it's the last position they need to spend like 40 million euros on you know they, they have Victor Waniyama they've got Moose Dembele who can play in that role they've got Eric Dyer who can play that role when Vertonghen and, uh, and Alderweireld are both fit so you know these are the kind of things that we try and look at and because a lot of a lot of places will just report the story and not kind of put two and two together and see that it's it's probably nonsense now we it could be that they are interested, and we always do mention that you know we'll keep an eye out to see if anything does change in the, in the near future. But a lot of the time, a, a club will be thrown into the mix just to spice things up and you know put pressure on a club. For example, Juventus wants Steven Enzonzi. In the same article, it said that Steven Enzonzi negotiations with Juventus had stalled. All of a sudden, Tottenham are interested. Now, you know, someone reads that and oh no. Oh, they're, they're interested. That could be the agent saying to Gazetta, "Oh, yeah, Tottenham are interested. Put that in, and then Juventus will see that and go, oh, we need to speed things up.' You know, it's it's all part of a game. Um, agents talk a lot. Agents uh, they receive a lot of bad press. Some of them are very honest, uh, and you know, will give you will give people the, give newspapers the correct information. But some of them will just play their little game. And if things stall, you can always spice things up and make you know people a bit more desperate for that signing. And because Premier League clubs are also very rich, so even throwing the name of Everton in there kind of you know mixes things up because they can pay release clauses with their money. Uh, Leicester are another example. Roma are interested in a player, but Leicester have been you know apparently interested because uh, they could outfan, they could outpower. Roma's financial spending because they have more money. So even let the likes of Leicester, uh, 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 teams that get thrown into the mix just to uh, just to um, to speed things along. To sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, just to speed things along. Yeah, and just to you know get thing get people excited and you know shows that you know that that's that's just how it works. So if it's a recurring thing, I I think that it it becomes a bit more of a story. But sometimes names are just chucked in there and. Yeah, that's what we try and clear out. Talking of stories that are recurring, uh, a thing happened for like three days and then went away. Um, and and as somebody that that reads stuff in the foreign press, what did you make of the whole bizarre Cristiano Ronaldo fiasco, where he desperately wanted to leave Madrid until Perez went, "No, nah, don't leave Madrid," and he was like, oh, "All right, I don't want to leave anymore." Nah, yeah, you know. Every every time Ronaldo has a hissy fit, if you want to put it that way, um, Manchester United are automatically linked because he is is the club where he grew up, became the player he is today, and obviously became even let's say even better at Real Madrid. Well, he did become better at Real Madrid, but um, Manchester United are always an easy one for these kind of. Gareth Bale is another example. As soon as Gareth Bale is slightly unhappy, slightly injured, or slightly doesn't play more than four games in a row, Manchester United are thrown into the mix because well they have the money to be able to buy these players. Uh, this time it was a bit more, it seemed a bit like there was a bit more to it, but was there really? It's always easy to glorify things and make them sound more spectacular than they really are. Uh, and as, you know, as soon as, because Cristiano Ronaldo was out with Portugal squads, he wasn't able to, you know, to have a sit down with 
Perez and all that. And I'm sure that it what took three days, as you said, three, four days of absolute craziness. That gives you about the time of Jorge Mendes to get up to speed of what the accusations are, get the right people, sit down, have a chat, take a couple of naps, go back, have some more discussions. And what, three, four days later, it's all sorted and everything's fine. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> It's very, <laughs> it's it's hard. It's very hard to to say, you know, to sit here and and say that nothing happened because uh, you know these journalists put a lot of work, and it could very well be that someone. Oh, well, it definitely is the case that someone has told them um, that such and such that Ronaldo did want to leave, and this time it was real. But obviously, people react. We all do. We all overreact when things happen and then calm down and realise that maybe it's not the end of the world. Um, so, you know, like losing game of FIFA, you get very angry and then after a while you go, oh, I'll just play it again. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just all these things that when a, when a journalist says, uh, when, I say, when I say a journalist, someone who is employed by a big company like, you know, the Independents and the BBC, when someone says, I have been told that, they will not make that up because their credibility and, you know, it reflects it does reflect their employer. And so yeah. they, they will have been told something. Whether that information, and that information at that time is probably correct, or depending yeah. on the source, obviously, but you know, people like the BBC and Independent and thing have tend to have good sources. But at that moment in time, that, that information is probably correct. Now, things change. We've all, as I've said before, things change. Um, and then you can always go back and find that old tweet and you can ridicule that person, but at the same time, what they were told was probably right at the time, and things have changed since. Yeah. But people don't see that, and it's it's a very vicious circle. And I, I do commend a lot of the journalists on there who receive a lot of abuse and and you know trolls on Twitter and all that stuff. And it's it's not nice, you know. You put yourself in their shoes. It's, I mean, I I've, I received the odd. I mean, one of the quotes I've been given, someone said about me is in my bio on Twitter, if you want to go see it. Um, but I won't, this is a family-friendly <laughs> podcast, but I won't put it, I've, it's, it's, on, it's in my bio. But, you know, I receive stuff like that. I'm not in the same position as, you know, the Dan Rones and all those people at the thing. But I, I, even I receive stuff, and all I do is tend to pass the information along. But, you know, people, you know, don't shoot the messenger and all that, but the messenger sometimes is easier to shoot than the actual person. Um so that information they are given tends to be correct at that time. Things change. And the stuff with Ronaldo probably was the case. He probably got all this news about the tax and all that stuff and was absolutely fuming and said, this is it. I want to leave. This is probably the best time for me to leave. And then uh, things calmed down. He spoke to a few people. Uh, look, probably his teammates said, no, don't leave. And he went, OK, mm. I won't leave. And that's it. And, you know, and he may also leave, uh, you know, he may also all of a sudden someone make a bid, someone would just say yes, and then he gets, you know, he, as I said, anything can happen. And, you know, I'm meant to be here and try and calm everyone, but at the same time, I, a lot of the time I know as much as you do. Um, <laughs> oh yeah absolutely no i'm not i'm not asking you for a definitive ruling tom don't worry no no, no i know i, I understand Talk, that it's talking just... of talking of journalists getting loads of abuse on twitter um fabinho <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, what's what's the story the the english press let's let's euphemistically just say the english press yep. adamant <laughs> that united have no fabinho interest uh press elsewhere not at all telling that story no. what what have you made of the whole Fabinho schmozzle what have I made I have made that 
If people ask me for my opinion, not that my opinion, you know, means much, but my opinion is, which is why you brought me on here, I guess, uh, my mm-hmm. opinion is that I believe there is interest. Now, this is not information. Let me repeat, make this very clear. I do not have any information on this. This is just an opinion. <laughs> Before I get bombarded on Twitter, saying, who's your source? And even if I did have one, I would not tell you because that defeats the object. <laughs> this is something I'd never understand as well as people saying, is your source reliable? So, well, I, yeah, otherwise it wouldn't be my source. Um, <laughs> but this is just my opinion. I believe they are interested. Now, I also believe that the way things are at Monaco is that they have... They have both uh, Timur Bakayoko and they have Fabinho. They have since sold neither of those players, but they have bought Yuri Tielemans from Anderlecht and Sueli Hermete from Lille. Those two players are uh, maybe not ideal, but they are pretty much two players you can slot in for Fabinho and Bakayoko. Now, Monaco are in a position where they probably could sell both, uh, but I think that ideally they would want to sell one Keep probably Fabinho, seeing as he's on a longer contract, his contract's until 2020 or 2021. He renewed, I think, 2021, I think he renewed for five years last year. So ideally, they'd want to keep him, get rid of Bakayoko, uh, selling him probably to Chelsea, allow Fabinho to sit, to, to be in that team this year in order to let both Tielemans and Mayte settle in, get the better, and then next year, sell Fabinho. He'll be one year less on his contract. But he starts four years, which means they can still get a lot of money for him. That's how I see it. Now, obviously, Monaco are still in a position where they don't need the money, but if someone came in with an offer they can't refuse, they will probably sell. Now, Bakayoko is probably going to Chelsea based on the latest reports. Obviously, that's dragging along, so things could change. But the, the latest has been, I think, that Chelsea are going to get Bakayoko. Fabinho could easily go, and they have the two replacements, but I think they want to keep him. And they don't, definitely don't want to sell him to Paris Saint-Germain. I think they would not want to, having just beaten Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue 1, uh, quite comfortably, I must say, um, surprisingly comfortably. Um, they, the last thing they want to do is just give them one of their key players and just strengthen them some more. And then they're in a position where they, instead of building on this fantastic season they had, getting to the semis of the Champions League, winning the league, go back a few steps. And I think keeping Fabinho would allow them to keep that momentum going. They keep Mbappe. Yes, they've sold Bernardo Silva, but they, they keep hold of Lamar keep hold of Mbappe. They managed to get Falcao to sign a new contract, which is very important. They kept their manager, which is incredibly important, seeing as he's the reason behind their success. I believe they also want to keep Benjamin Mendy, seeing as he arrived last year, and he's young, and they know that he can develop some more. And probably if he has another season like he did last year, sell him for even more than what, you know, the 40, 45 million that he would go for at this rate, which is why they're being they're playing hardball. The latest from France on that one was that man, he's agreed to go to Manchester City, personal terms, and Manchester City are prepared to pay the 40, 45 million euro that they believe he should go for. But Monaco is saying, no, we want more. Uh, the one who I think could go is Sidibe, uh, the right back that Manchester United should stay very well away from. They don't need really need a right back. And he's not very good in my eyes anyway. Um, but I believe they've bought a young right back uh, and they already have a ready-made right back in the club. So that would make sense that he would leave instead of Benjamin Mendy. So Monaco, you know, building on this season have the team to, you know, carry on the momentum that they've gained. And I believe keeping Fabinho would be ideal. 
if it doesn't, if someone, if Manchester United come along or someone else come along and, you know, throw 55 million euros, 60 million euros, which in this market, no one will bat an eyelid and accept it, then he'll go. But I think the idea behind it is that they would like to keep him. And I believe Manchester United are interested. And there has been some, you know, the English press haven't all been 100% adamant that Manchester United aren't in for him. There have been, so there. there's some interest there. But Matic, I think... For Mourinho, would be the easiest one to get. Chelsea bringing in Bakayoko allowed to repl- you know replace a twenty, soon to be twenty nine year old with a twenty two, twenty three year old, and they get forty million for him. They can get Bakayoko for around the same, maybe a bit less. It's a good deal for them, and it's an easier one for Mourinho and Edward Wood to to do. Which is why I think that one's being pushed to the English press more than the interest from Fabinho. Okay, because that was that's great because that was going to be my next question because the thing that I haven't understood is the adamance on both sides of the argument with the Fabinho thing because it's not like it's you know it's respectable people saying that there's a link but yeah. but other yeah. people saying that they've been told exactly the opposite sort of thing. Yeah, I I think it's I think you've just got to think about where the sources for each, you know, journalist comes from. Now, uh, a lot of the Manchester United the, the 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 reporters who cover Manchester United will have a, a source in or around Manchester United, someone who knows what's going on to a certain extent. Maybe that, you know, it's probably not going to be Ed Woodward directly, but someone who's, you know, around the club <laughs> enough to hear what's except going when, on. Just Ed Woodward except when it's literally Ed Woodward directly and he just emails them all going, yes, we never wanted Griezmann anyway and they all released the story at the same yeah. time. Obviously, you know, you've got, to, you've got to keep an eye out for these things. That if, if the same story comes from, you know, seven different journalists within the space of 20 minutes, something's been said to them from the club to a certain extent. Uh, official channels have said, this is what you need to put out and we're not interested or something like that. But if it's, you know, bits of information here and there, then you can probably guess that it's a source who is willing to talk, probably not reveal that much, but, you know, it's a lot, it's very easy to say, well, we're interested in Fabinho or we're interested in such and such player. And then it's the journalist's job to make that, that tiny bit of information into something much bigger and much more appealing to the fans. Now, um, you got to think that, for example, um, said so the English journalists will have someone in or around Manchester United. Now, someone like Mohamed Bouafsi, who is widely seen by a lot of people on, on Twitter as an incredibly reliable source, and he is, he's, he is a very good, reliable, very reliable source, he will probably get his information from Monaco or someone near around Monaco. Or a lot of the time, when it, you know, some of these journalists are good friends, uh, of friends to a certain extent with the player so they'll have direct access to the player himself they could ask him a quick question are oh, such and such interested and say yeah I've heard from my agent that uh, for example Nabil Jalit who works for France Football is a good friend of Riyad Mahrez now whatever Jalit says you can kind of guess that it's going to come from Mahrez or his camp directly so you know you've got to think about all these things Di Marcio Di Marcio is, 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 is a very special case in itself in the sense that he knows, or he appears to know so much that I'm not quite sure how he manages it because unless he is literally glued to his phone the entire time, I know he's got a lot of people who work for him and, you know, do like Fabrizio Romano does stuff for Sky Italia, which is basically Di Marzio. Um, they, there is, you know, stuff that comes in from other people, but Di Marzio seems to have fingers in pretty much every single pie there is in the transfer market. And I find that quite difficult to believe that he knows as much as he does now he might do and then but this is just skepticism which is what we do at sport witness um and he has he has had some things that have gone 
not gone his way. Uh, for example, last year he was adamant that Manchester City were going to sign Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. That never happened. That kind of quickly got swept under the carpet and people people forget this kind of stuff because, you know, they, they just want what they want to hear. Um, so, but you've got to think where the sources of these journalists come from. So, if you know, if it comes from France, you can kind of think that maybe it'll come from the club or somewhere near around the club. Now, Monaco could also be saying Manchester United are interested so they can, you know, get other clubs interested and you know if someone says oh Manchester United are interested we should probably get in a bid now before they do you know it's yeah, it's all a game the, but game, I, the game is the game the game is the game so you know this is the kind of this is what we try and do at Sport Witness we try and analyse all these things and you know look at the shape of the team like I just did with, with Monaco and you're trying to think you know where that club is at that time what they need to go forward if they want to build on this momentum or if they want to you know if a team has just finished 17th and conceded 58 goals or maybe more sorry 70 goals in a season and they have five centre-backs well and they're interested in centre-backs probably going to get rid of the <laughs> centre-backs that conceded 70 goals last season and bring in some new ones even though if they have five you just got to you know take into account a lot of things and that's what we try and do try and you know keep a level-headed thing about it always very difficult sometimes as I said I'm a fan first and foremost so I get excited about things um but were yeah. you um, were you excited about Ivan Perisic? I was I was <laughs> a lot underwhelming was a good way people put it. Um, I, be, I believe that he is a very good player. Uh, he would bring a lot to Manchester United. Uh, he would bring direct football down the wings, which is you know with someone like Martial and Rashford, you get to a certain point and they try and cut in. Very rarely do they just you know try for the go for the, the the cross and stuff like that. They'll try and cut in and you know big be inside forwards. Now with Perisic, you have a very different kind of thing. He's he's very capable with both feet, which means they'd be able to cross with the left or cut in with his right, which kind of defeats the point of someone like Ashley Young, who you know is going to turn onto his right foot regardless of where he is on the pitch or Valencia. Um, so you have that kind of, you know, gives that extra edge to his game. Um, he would work incredibly hard up and down that left-hand side. Uh, so, you know, kind of, which is what Mourinho wants from his players. Uh, so I, I I wouldn't, especially for the price of whatever you want, uh, Inter wanted, which was 15 million euros, it would have been an underwhelming signing at that price. But, and you know, people would say, go, go get Usman Dembele. But Usman Dembele has just been to Dortmund and he's very happy there, just had a great season. He probably doesn't want to leave just yet. He probably wants to have another couple of seasons. You know, it's it's not football manager. So obviously that works sometimes. But you know, like Mbappe, you can't just chuck money at a club and go, "Well, give me your player." Mm, we want, we'd like to keep him for another season. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> so, but even at that price, fifty million, I felt that you know he's twenty eight, I think. Um, so yeah, it's probably a lot of money. But Inter don't want to sell uh, Spalletti, who's just become their new manager after they got rid of Stefano Pioli at the end of the season. He ideally would like, uh, this is all from the Italian press, he ideally wants Perisic next season. The, the aim was that they needed to, because of uh, failing FFP regulations uh, three years ago, um, they needed to raise €30 million Euros to balance their books um, uh, in order to comply with this year's FFP so that they didn't face further punishment. Now, up until two, three days uh, before that, their lunch was the 30th of June. They hadn't done that. The only whispers was ever Benega going back to Sevilla, which they got around €9 million Euros for, I believe. But the rest was very... And then suddenly they managed to get rid of five players I'd never heard of for about a combined of about €20 million Euros and another player. It just, they just, just about scraped it. So they were able to keep Perisic. And now the, 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 the line from the Italian media is... 
uh, 50 millions kind of off the cards now. We want more because we don't have to sell him. Uh, so Manchester United, according to the Italian press, were playing a very clever game. Had it worked out, obviously now they look a bit like idiots, um, in the fact that they'd only made a bid of about 30, but somewhere between 30 and 40 million euros, uh, depending on who was reporting it. Um, I think that the bottom line was it was less than 35 million euros, and they just put it on the table and say, look, this is our offer for your player. You need the money. If you if you need to, you know, if you if you need the to, to if you can't comply with FFP, you know where to get the money from. And I think Edward would kind of the the idea is that Edward would left that there for them to just mull over, and until in case they couldn't get the uh, get the FFP money at, um, in time, they would just snatch that offer, and he would get a player on the cheap for less than what they asked for. Obviously, that didn't happen. They get to keep Perisic, and now they say, well, we don't need to sell him. Um, he was up for fifty million up until that day. Now, only an exceptional offer, or I think they put it as out-of-market offer, which is basically an exceptional offer, would allow us to sell him to you, which would probably be somewhere between 60 and 70 million, which I don't think Perisic is worth. So that's where I stand on the Perisic situation. It's just a very, it was a very complicated thing. And also trying to work out um, how they were going to raise that, you know, 30 million before the deadline was even none of the even none of the journal, none of the newspapers in uh, in Italy really knew how they were going to do it until probably about the day before, and um, so it was yeah it was quite a tense situation for everyone involved. Uh, maybe not Manchester United fans. A lot of them didn't want him or would have preferred someone else. But yeah, it, that signing was a signing that just upset me. <laughs> I was like, he's never got double figures in league assists, or certainly he hasn't in the last five years. Um, I think he's only hit double figures for goals twice. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, he does bring something. But uh, Anthony Martial, that's like, especially if Morata comes. Of course. Comes, of course. Martial going to play? Like, we don't, I'm I'm not having a team built around Perisic instead of Martial. That would just well, be miserable. I don't think it would be built around Perisic. I think it would just be a case that Perisic would be the starting left winger. Like, yeah, exactly. I, I get, like, I, no, but I get, no, but I get, I'm also, I, I understand that point of view, but I also think that, you know, uh, this season was, was very difficult for Martial in many different ways. There was all the personal stuff that's been well documented by social media and the French media um, and also some of the tabloids. Um, and it's still ongoing, which obviously is, can be very distracting for a player. It's also the fact that he came from Monaco on this huge transfer fee. Van Gaal, who was a bit in this kind of second season I need to do something otherwise I'm gone and eventually he went kind of chucked in this kid again in Liverpool against Liverpool uh, not in Liverpool against Liverpool and they scored this amazing goal that we all remember so well and it all took off from then he had a fantastic season now then off that season he went to the Euros uh, didn't play much at the Euros, much to the disappointment of many Manchester United fans. And um, France fans. And France fans to a certain extent, yeah. Um, France, and... France fans who were paying attention and were screaming at their televisions saying, why are you doing this, Jean? We really need to stretch this defence. Why are you bringing... <laughs> I know you love Gignac, right? But why are we bringing on Gignac? Whoa, 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 Come on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, not, let's not talk about the big man on the Pierre Gignac just yet. No, don't, let's not... OK, let's a completely different thing. Yeah. But anyway, um, he hit the bar, should have scored, but he hit the bar in the final. Would Marcel have scored it? We'll see. Anyway, um... <laughs> 
Um, he, he, you know, he had this 60-game season for Manchester United. He was, came, he was 19, he's 20 at that stage. And he was he fitted well in what Van Gaal wanted to do. He was a very good, very good player. And then Mourinho comes along and, well, we know what Mourinho is like. If you don't do what he wants, you don't play. Now, I think it took a lot of time for Martial to adapt to what Mourinho wanted from him. Martial has never been a, a hard, hugely hard-working forward. He, you know, uses his pace for to attack, not to defend. And obviously, we, Mourinho wants someone like someone to run around like Lingard does. Um, you know, great off the ball movement. Um, and Martial didn't do that. Now that's why we didn't see Martial play. That's how I see it, anyway. And also, I think he was just knackered. He didn't really have much of a, a holiday. He had to come back for preseason, maybe a bit later than everyone else. But he still didn't have that huge holiday that that gap that a lot of people had. Other players had to rest. And I think he was just that second season. You know, is it sophomore slump? Um, and I believe that you know, there's no there's no football for him this summer other than the preseason. And I think it's just it's just just got to give him that time now. Perisic would have allowed him to take some of that pressure off what everyone expects from Martial because everyone wants him to play well, and if he doesn't play, then people go, "Oh, Mourinho's not going to like it; he's going to sell him." But he's still very young. I know he's had a huge impact, but he is still very young, and I think having someone else on that wing that isn't Rashford, someone who we expect a lot of as well having someone else down that left wing would have taken some of that pressure off Martial. Now, Perisic would not have started every single game because they offer two very different things. Depending on the team, you choose different players and all that stuff. Now, I think it would have helped. I think if we do get another left winger, it will help Martial get away from the limelight, be able to focus more, be able to not play as much as a young player should to not burn out. We've all seen what's happened to Wayne Rooney. I know he's a specific case in that he's never really been the fittest of players in the sense that taking care of himself, unlike Cristiano Ronaldo or Ryan Giggs or whatever. But you think of a player burning out far too soon because he's been playing constantly since he was 16. And I think you you run the risk of having Martial carried on having 60 game seasons. That would probably happen down the line. And I think that having someone like Perisic would allow him to, to take a step back, be able to improve his game and just be more, uh, impact like have more impact whenever he comes on rather than having this huge amount of pressure if Perisic does well you chuck on Martial and things could you know you've also got that good option and I think it I think it would have helped now obviously a lot of fans just want to see Martial all the time and I get that yeah I was just going to say but that's how I, could, I see I could it. offer a lengthy counter argument at this point but that's not what the people are here for the people are here <laughs> for transfer talk not tactics talk yeah so sorry no, 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 sorry. no I'm, I'm saying no that all made sense I'm, I'm just saying the, my lengthy comeback <laughs> about Martial FC can wait uh, for the new season. Just, just do on the next, do on, do on the next podcast. Just say, well, you remember what Tom <laughs> said. This is why I had to say at the time. Uh, you're wrong, Tom. And there you go. That's uh, so, fine. and I'll listen to it and have no be able not to say anything to you back. So. <laughs> Talk, talking of uh, ridiculously underwhelming signings that many United fans would be just as happy if they happen or don't. Um, Nemanja Matic, a story that hasn't gone away all summer. Um, is this just the press going, oh, Mourinho likes, he used to play for Mourinho, let's buy him, or is there something going on? No, well, I think I, I, think I said it in, in the, when we were talking about Fabinho, I think it's very much a case of it's an easier target to, to obtain um, for, 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 for Manchester United. I think Chelsea are willing to sell. I, I, 
I think I know he's in his prime, uh, and a lot of people will say, but I think I, I think forty million it's a lot of money. But obviously, you know, you can still get you know three, four years out of him, and that kind of breaks down to ten million a season, depending on how you want to look at it. But I think he's he's an easier target to get than Fabinho, um, and. I just think that that's where it's come from. I think, you know, you feed, as I said, the Manchester United sources will say, well, you know, he's very easy to get. This is who we want. Um, and yeah, I think, I think I just, I think that's how it's, that's how it's happened. And obviously some jumped the gun a bit, said that it was going to be last Tuesday, he was going to have medical. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, but it's all, it's all depending on how easy a transfer is done and all that stuff. So I, I, th- I think he's just the easy option for Mourinho and Edward Woods. Chelsea wants to sell if they bring in Bakayoko. Maybe that's probably maybe that's why the Matic situation hasn't happened because Bakayoko hasn't arrived at Chelsea yet. Now the moment Bakayoko does arrive at Chelsea, then Matic is free to go. But obviously, if Bakayoko transfer collapses. Matic will stay because Conte needs another midfielder to be able to play in his uh, 3-4-2-1 formation with Kat next to Kante. I think there's, you know, there's all these things to take into account in how clubs are run and, and you know, you've got to keep your team as, as strong as it is. And if you don't get one play, then you have to keep the play you have or find someone else to then bring in. But I think until that's, that midfielder is signed for Chelsea, Matic won't be free to leave just in case. And I think if when we do get that signing that Chelsea wants in midfield, that's when the Matic story might pick up or if it takes too long for the Bakayoko negotiations to take place and Monaco get fed up with it or Chelsea get fed up with it. It could be that Bakayoko is demanding far more than what Chelsea are willing to pay him. If someone gets fed up, then suddenly that player stays at Monaco and, well, another player who plays next to him who's Brazilian could become available. Not going to name any names, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's... <laughs> It's all yeah. relative to the, each club situation and what they want to do with their team going forward. Now, Chelsea have to obviously strengthen. They they had a great season, a surprisingly good season last last year. Conte did very well. Qualified for next year, they've got Champions League football to think about as well. Not just a game a week. They've got a two, two, maybe three games a week with cups and stuff in the space. I mean, by a week, I mean seven days. And so there's all this to think about. You need more depth. You need more quality in depth. Uh, and yeah that's where it comes in so Manchester United have to, have to think about obviously they don't have to play Thursday nights anymore which is a big help um, but yeah that, I think that's that's where we stand with Matic that's how I see it anyway. yeah so um, the one thing that we haven't talked about at all is outgoings um, uh-huh. so uh, we've got rid of anyone yet have we have I missed someone have I forgotten someone no Damian's the likeliest to go to Italy from what I've been reading uh, obviously there's been a, a lot of chatter about Juventus wanting him Roma Inter wanted him a while back I think that's kind of gone down a bit but I know Roma were looking at him uh, I know they're, they're um, Mario Rui who's one of their left backs is uh, considering to go into Napoli. So, you know, they might need someone else in. I know Damian's not left back, but he can play there, as we saw last season. Uh, the various levels of ability of being able to play there, but he can play there, so he's an option. Uh, obviously, Juventus are losing. We've lost already Dani Alves, probably going to City. Uh, that's not confirmed, but looks like it. And they're looking at Danilo, uh, Real Madrid, right back, uh, back up for Carvajal. But they're also looking at Damian. But this, the bottom, the line over there from Italy, and I think it's the very the same line that we've had from England, is that Mourinho doesn't particularly want to sell. 
probably because of his lack of trust in Luke Shaw at this moment in time. And you can see, much like he did Aspilicueta, having Damian there at left-back, and maybe Damian can grow and become Manchester United's Aspilicueta. Time will tell. But uh, I think that's, that's that was the one that came straight to mind when you said outgoings. Now, there are others. Uh, I think We've... Ashley Young. <laughs> where whoever wants to pay 120000 a week for Ashley Young can he's do it. He's just staying forever. We're never, he's just going ret- to retire as an old man. He's going to be like the manager by default, then he'll be the groundskeeper when he gets too old to do that. <laughs> he's never leaving. I think Wayne is probably about to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so that's, no- I guess, um, well, with Lindelof coming in, that, that that you would think we've got too many centre backs. Ah, so yes. one of them's got to go, right? Yeah, uh, and well, uh, the one that everyone seems to be agreeing on leaving is Mr. Smalling, right? With Phil Jones staying. That's that's the way round. I'd do it, but you know. And then we obviously we have Marcus Rojo, who was Mourinho seems to have a lot of faith in and played extremely well when he was not in crutches uh, last season. Uh, and I think Phil Jones showed that he was very capable of playing. Now, he didn't play in the Europa League final. Um, not 100% sure why. I, don't, I can't remember if he was 100% fit or not. Smalling played and I thought did quite well. He yeah, had a really good game. It was like um, his best game but, of the season. But, it, but I, I, my, I think it was very much a case of he played well because he got told just lump it forward as soon as you get it in your feet and try not to pass it out. I mean, Mourinho even admitted we tried to bypass the midfield as much as possible because yeah. uh, of their pressing. So I think that's why he appeared to have a good game. He's a, I think he seems, he seems all right and a no-nonsense defender, but that's not how Mourinho ideally wants to play. I think um, ideally Mourinho, with the signings of Bay and this year Lindelof, he very much wants a ball-playing midf- uh, defender uh, in his team. Now, they're both good on the ball Linda Love is very good on the ball by uh, as it, as uh, not eccentric but as uh, well eccentric is a way of putting it but as uh, energetic as he is sometimes looks it looks like he's going to miss the ball somehow claws the leg around to get the ball back erratic is the word I was looking for there you go right. uh, he looks like he's going to be very erratic but somehow pulls it off and I think that you know you've got the calming presence of Lindelof next to uh, by and I think that will work really well next season and I think yeah you do need to get rid of someone now I don't think Smalling is going to be short on offers um, obviously Everton are now at the question because they've signed Michael Keane I think that would make sense that they signed Michael Keane instead of Smalling I mean I'm sure West Ham will probably want a defender um, looking at who they've got in James Collins uh, and well yeah obviously they've got Reed. but if they want to play through at the back like I did the bits last season they probably need someone else so Smalling could be one of their options and I'm sure there's someone else West Brom they seem to take players for Manchester United yeah. uh, Johnny Evans imagine Johnny Evans and you know Chris Smalling in defence that would be alright yeah, yeah, I re- think that would go down well reunited and with Fletcher so just good. in front of them no, he's gone. Darren Fletcher's gone. Oh, of course, he? he's gone Stoke, isn't he? Yes, yes, yes. That's that's a weird transfer. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's an, another conversation. The weird, <laughs> the, like West Brom and Stoke are basically one club. They're just yes. like they've just got very amorphous boundaries. West Brom and Stoke, well, in my head. you could have thrown Sunderland in there as well with the John O'Shea <laughs> and you know David I'm, Moyes and. <laughs> um, so, have I missed anyone that we've been seriously, meaningfully linked uh, with this summer? 
I don't think so. I'm sure you'll get lots of criticism on Twitter for forgetting such and such name. But uh, we don't we don't too. deal in those spheres, Tom. That's oh, not our no, game. Sorry. This is no, like no, you know, yeah. this is a it's a highbrow enterprise. This. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you don't you don't get affected by trolls. Or anything. <laughs> uh, well, um, it's because it's because you're always extremely pleasant. I, on the other hand, have had my moments where I've not been extremely pleasant, but <laughs> it's. Um, no, I, I think I think that's everyone. I'm just trying to think of all the positions that uh, where we've been linked. I think uh, midfield Matic we've done Fabinho. Uh, oh, there's been there's Semedo. been Semedo. I think Semedo would be you know we're definitely keeping Valencia. Semedo can play left back, um, so that would also be another kind of. Um, but that would also be a signing that would probably undermine Luke Shaw even more if that's yeah. even possible at this moment in time seeing he's <laughs> basically Jose Mourinho um, playing for him so no uh, Semedo is available uh, Benfica all wants uh, a fair chunk of money for him after the season he had um, I, as I said I, I don't tend to, to do the Portuguese press that's mostly Lucas uh, Lucas's job but I tend to keep an eye on what's going on uh, but as far as I'm aware, that's been that's kind of been a sporadic link of maybe Manchester United wants him, maybe not. There was more, I think it was far more prominent in January. Um, the other one has been that everyone wants and gets super excited about is Renato Sanchez at Bayern Munich, who is apparently available for 30 million euros by Bayern Munich. I think uh, their chairman came out and said that they probably want to give him a second season to see how he's adapted. Um, I mean that would make sense. Cause... They were, I think that I think is very much a case of well, we bought him under all the hype. Uh, it didn't quite work out. Let's give him a second season. If that doesn't work out, then we can sell him. And he's young enough to you know still bring in a decent amount of money for them. And a lot of their a lot of the transfer fee was based on um, was based on bonuses anyway. So I think that I think that works out for them. Give him another season, and maybe he'll be available next 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 season. So I'm sure Manchester United fans. Will be praying that he has another poor season at Bayern Munich just so they can have him at Manchester United. But um, such is the way of cruelty of football fans. Um, All right. Well, Tom, I think that I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed for giving us an hour of your time. No Where can the people find you if they want to, you know, offer you praise for this? <laughs> Obviously, um, at Twitter at th coast. Um, I think that's probably the only one. I've got a Facebook page, but I don't really use that. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, if you, I would be probably get fired if I didn't say this. But if for all your latest transfer news, please visit www.sportwinners.co.uk. Um, they do good work so long as you don't like hope and joy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you if you like to have your dreams shattered on a daily basis, please wake up every morning, open Sport Witness, and well, maybe just throughout the day. Obviously, we update it, as, <laughs> not just first thing in the morning and just stay in bed and miss work because you know your world around you has crumbled but um keep up to date during the day and uh feel free to interact with me on twitter i try and reply to most people obviously if you're just going to ask me announce for being ask me announce fabinho or what do you think any update on fabinho any updates i do find will go on the website but i'm more than willing to answer any questions so please feel free to send me a message on twitter brill thanks tom thank you for your time no problem thank you very much for having me